This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that agrees with French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre that in football, everything is complicated by the presence of the opposite team. Now, Chelsea dropped their first points of the season against West Ham on Sunday, in spite of having the bulk of possession and making more passes than a 40-year-old virgin. Yes, Perhaps a few of the players had an off day, but it's early days, so no need to panic. Remember, we're nine points better off than in the reciprocal matches from last season. Maybe teams are beginning to work Serissimo out, and perhaps we should take heed of Jean-Paul Sartre's wise words. The Chelsea fancast from number 434 passed out. And... Uh, if those of you uh, were waiting for a goal on Saturday, on Sunday even, uh, perhaps you might have passed out with waiting. But there you go. Um, it's been two weeks since we've all been here together and I've been a bit... I've been AWOL, uh, basically having a bit of holiday. Uh, and I apologise uh, for no Chelsea fan cast last Monday, but unfortunately I'm the only one that can do it because it's all kind of, you know, chidge controls, Skype and editing and all of that. So... I can't farm it off on the others like I can with the Love Sports Show, so apologies for that. But uh, I'm delighted to, to hear the uh, wonderful Jonathan Kidd, who's kind of looked after the shop last week. I had a go, didn't I, Clayton? I had a go. What did I do? I asked the, the longest question in the world, Clayton said to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. Thank you. Was it? Was it? It was. It was of. It was of Marlon Harewood, I think, wasn't it? Who I also. Also slightly insulted by saying, um, have you had any opportunity to watch any of the Chelsea games? What I meant by that was you're clearly a man who watches lots of West Ham games and other stuff. But, you know, would you have sat down and watched 90 minutes but then realised he probably had and so felt slightly embarrassed. So apologised profusely. And Mark and Clayton both laughed. 
which I thought was fair enough, really. Excellent. Um, well, could I just say I, that... I'm um, ashamed. You, you could also call this... No, you could also call this the Sartre reference. You could call it le football et le néon. And I think that would be very appropriate, which means football okay. and nothingness, shall... which is the kind of thing that Sartre okay. would, be, uh, would be interested in. Yeah, I think, I just made I think that we up, should do a, a French philosophy. Yeah, well, that's okay. I think we should do a French philosophy on football thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, with Sartre and uh, Albert Camus. Oh, by the way, actually, just so you know, I nicked this. I nicked that quote from Jean-Paul Sartre, would you believe, from the bar in the uh, very opposite the uh, departure gate in Mallorca Airport as I was leaving on Saturday. And it was my wife who pointed it. She said, look, look, there's all these football quotes up on the wall. Who said all of these? And I said, oh, well, that one's Jean-Paul Sartre. Anyway, uh, we should digress. Uh, does, we, does, fact, we does, have digressed. does Sarah actually sound like somebody out of Monty Python? Does, does she? Yeah, she sounds I like Mrs. Spam. I didn't realise that Sarah sounded like somebody out of Monty Python. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, because you had us speaking Actually, like to that, be fair, then, Jonathan. Did you notice? Yeah, but to be fair, Jonathan... Yeah. To be fair, Jonathan, she should really be called Mrs. Smoke Too Much, as opposed to Mr. Non-Smoke Too Much. <laughs> uh, those of you who know Monty Python yes, will know indeed. exactly what I mean. Anyway, uh, let alone my wife. Now, apart from Jonathan on the show, you'll be delighted to know it's not just me and him waffling on for the next couple of hours. We've also got the absolutely delightful <laughs> Mr. Clayton Beerman. Uh, hello, hello, hello. Lovely to be on. Uh, and lovely to hear your dulcet tones again, sir. Well, indeed, 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 indeed. And uh, lovely. Uh, thank you for minding the shop with Jonathan on, on uh, Friday on the Love Sports show. That was very kind of you. Uh, above and beyond the call of GGS. Absolute so pleasure. Time. Now, uh, uh, the final uh, the final uh, cog in our wheel tonight is the absolutely wonderful and erudite Mr. Liam Toomey from ESPN Football. How are you, Liam? I'm good, guys. Absolute pleasure to be back. And I'm, I'm struck by how um, broadcast were the Clayton's voices. He sounds like a radio commentator. Really? Yeah, yeah. You've you've got that sort of indefinable quality in the in in your voice, the way you enunciate. It sounds quite radio esque. It's oh, a nineteen fifties radio commentator, though, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> the BBC, no, that, then. The, B- the, BBC. the BBC. This is the BBC. I am well, Jonathan Kidd. That is Clayton Berman. <laughs> and I'm wearing, a, as as most good radio presenters would be, I'm, I'm wearing a dinner jacket and and bow tie, as discussed on Twitter earlier uh, this and week. Indeed, and no trousers. And no trousers. Never trousers. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Come on, boys. Let's get on with the show. Uh, I'm mindful of the fact that, that we might have a bit of a sync issue, so I will leave nice gaps after I speak. So try not to jump in over everybody, because otherwise it creates merry hell. And I actually want to go to bed tonight when I edit this after I've read the programme. But on the show tonight, we will be discussing uh, Chelsea being all fart and no shit and remembering that there was actually another team on the pitch who did a good job on us, I believe, uh, whilst, of course, bemoaning the errant lack of finishing from the Blues on Sunday against West Ham. Uh, In part two, we're going to ask how we solve the Kante conundrum, not for the first time this season. Um... Are we seeing the death of the old school striker? I will I will leave this to part two, but I had an interesting random thought whilst watching the game on Sunday. And uh, we'll have another look, or we'll not have another look, we'll have a first look ahead to a double dose of Scouse this week, which sounds like a like a kind of a Victorian 
Dickensian disease, if you ask me. It may well prove to be that way. Um, right, in part three, we've got some uh, emails for Jonathan to read out on tattoos. Jonathan, of course, is a renowned tattoo expert. Uh, we've got a message from Bhutan. Oh, yes. And we have an apology. <laughs> we have an apology to Jonathan. Right, uh, part four, we've got the usual roundup of Chelsea Sporters News. And maybe maybe some questions from the Mixler listeners if they ask any and if we have time. There you go. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock. Live! When I'm not here by going to Mixler. Mixler.com, M-I-X-L-R.com, forward slash Chelsea, hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do. And actually, we've got a pretty good turnout tonight, considering that my computer was shit all afternoon. And therefore, I wasn't able to remind you that we were back tonight. But there we go. But uh, quick shout-outs to If She Don't Come. Daniel Cabral, Praj, uh, Vin De Blue, who we need... He's just sent us a blog. We need to put that up. Andrew Self, Bert Stoltz. Ramsey, shut up a man's in here. Lovely to see Ramsey in here. Rob Coombe, Adam Finnegan, many, many more. Right, uh, after this short break, we'll be talking about the game. <laughs> Okay, I, I, you know, I was actually going to call uh, the uh, episode tonight All Fart and No Shit until I realised that I think I've actually used that as a title before, which would seem to be a very sad indictment on Chelsea over the last 11 years or 10 years, however long we've been doing this. So we got passed out instead. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, nil-nil. I mean, okay, we could have won it, so could they at the end of the day. But it was too much all pass and no shots. You know, and I think, you know, what's it? Your Jorginho, the most passes ever in a game. Who cares? If you don't bloody score, what's the point? Or am I just being ranty and cross, Jonathan? You would have thought the holiday would have done me good. It seems to have done the opposite. No, I, th- I think you're, 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 you're more laid back than you normally are. Um, I think we were on, on Love Sport the week before when you were having a go at Neil Warnock. We reached a, a kind of height of... of uh, of angriness that you've subsided from, I'm, I'm impressed. So, um, but um, uh, and in the end, he was really rather nice about the uh, about Chelsea. He said they had some rather good players and they were a bit better than them, which I thought was considering that you know he normally can rant and rave. He did he did quite well. But um, uh, uh, yeah, the, the other problem with Jorginho, of course, was that I think lots of the passes were to West Ham. Um, uh, I don't know if you count those, but no, he seemed I, to have a, he, he seemed to have a period when he when he just uh, he lost it a bit and just kept giving the ball away. Um, I went I went to the stadium I went to the match and um, uh, uh, the stadium is is unbelievably impressive, but it's not a football ground unfortunately. It's a brilliant Olympic stadium, and we were miles away, and uh, we were so far away that it. it, it, it Lots of people couldn't be bothered to stand up because it was kind of useless. <laughs> you might as well just sit down in the seats and and bask in the uh, in the horizon in the panorama. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, as you say, um, 
I still think we're, we, uh, the word I used the other day was inexorable. I still think we're, we're fabulous at passing and, and pressing. Um, but, uh, and we're dealing with people breaking away. But I think, as you said, I think West Ham had a plan, which was to uh, um, defend, well, as everybody will do against us, is to defend very deep, but in particular to crowd players out. And uh, Hazard wasn't fouled because you, you prophesied that there would be masses of fouls because they'd had 18 yellow cards. But he wasn't really fouled very much. I mean, Kovacic was fouled because he does look exactly like him. I mean, I can't, I can't believe it. I think they may have done it deliberately as a kind of, you know, you send out somebody. I think in the end, everybody will look like Hazard deliberately. They'll just give everybody Hazard haircuts so that the defenders won't know who to foul um, um, and shorts. And um, um, But because he's got the same number that Hazard used to have and he wears his shorts in the same way, so he got he got fouled a bit, Kovacic. But um, they were just they just and also Hazard was you know we'll get on to Hazard, but Hazard was weird. That's the weirdest performance I've ever seen from him. Um, but um, uh, and then once again we use the Georgino situation, which we're going to get on to, of course, is the is the where on earth does Kante play? And you've had people on Twitter talking about um, selling him, sell him to PSG and get 150 million, yeah, and then buy a striker. I'm holding. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. I'm. I'm like a. I'm like a. Doing the whole bloody I'm show just in the intro. Setting it up. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm just. I'm <laughs> handing a little. You know, they're they're just ideas. I'm throwing the idea in, but. Um, but <laughs> I am. I'm setting it up for you all. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree completely. It, it was yeah. To the, he's um, he's clearly a great player, Jorginho, and you can see why City wanted him. But um, uh, there needs to be. Um, but it isn't really down to him, is it? If he's spraying the ball about as he does with great expertise and uh, um, and with great accuracy, but there has to be an end product, and we're going to get onto that. But uh, and I'd, I think it would be unfair to. Um, to criticise him, he clearly fits in perfectly with with Sarri's plan. But it does it mean that other players don't um, yet? And I still think we're a work in progress, well, he... big work in progress. Um, yeah. Sorry, Sajid. Yeah. Well, he's clearly he's clearly a he's clearly a you know a shoe in. You know, he's Sarri's man. There's nothing that's going to change that. Clayton, I think Jonathan alluded to this actually, without being mean about it, which is very kind of him, but. Um, if, if if they were if they were at fault for anything, I think Hazard and William made some pretty strange decision making in the final third, didn't they? I mean, you know the the kind of backheeled attempt to a pass to Morata when perhaps he should have shot from Hazard, and uh, you know William blasting it across the go- the goal in the final kind of minutes when in fact he he could have perhaps just trying to thread it through the eye of a needle to Morata, who would have got on the end of it. So, I mean, you know, I, I get the feeling it was just one of those days, really, but weird decision-making at times, I think. I think it's fair to say that the hazard backheel to Morata is possibly one of the strangest things I've ever seen in, on a football field. I just, I, I just defied belief. I don't know what was going on. If you are 5-0 up, and you're in that situation and your main striker needs a goal, absolutely no problem with that. At nil-nil, with very few chances, you've got to bury that. There's, there's absolutely no excuse. I think that there's a couple of things, I think, that come out. I think our final ball on sun, uh, Saturday, well, Sunday, Sunday. Was, was dreadful. It was absolutely dreadful. There, there, there is no doubt about that, apart from... 
there were a couple of fantastic balls. Um, the Jorginho ball for William um, with minutes to go was brilliant. Uh, there was a fantastic ball played in, I think, again by Jorginho. Um, I'm not sure it was Jorginho or maybe Alonso for um, Kante um, when he had that fantastic opportunity to head the ball in. Um, <laughs> so I, I get the frustration with everybody saying pass, pass, pass with no, you know, no finished product. But that's not the point. The reason why we've got no finished product is because we haven't got any strikers. Um if you had Diogo Costa in that game, we would have won. If you would have had Didier Drogba in that game, we would have won. If you would have had anybody that can finish, we would have had that. Go- we would have won that game. And I think it also highlights the other major problem that we've got, which rolls into the Kante discussion, is that that midfield, however lovely it is, whichever way around it is, has got no goals in it. Jorginho does, is not a goal scorer. Uh, Kovacic has said himself that he knows that one of the problems with his game is that he doesn't score goals and Kante doesn't score goals. So if, you know, in in seasons gone past where our strikers haven't scored the goals, our midfielders scored the goals. Um, I just think that, that it was one of those days. It was very, very frustrating because we created chances. You know, if you would have said, it's pass, 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 and and that no, there's you know what happened. Then I'd say yeah, I agree. But the fact that we didn't work their goalkeeper is not down to our passing. Our passing created more than more than one, more than two really good chances. So I'm that that's not my problem. I think we've got no strikers and we've got nobody in midfield scoring goals. And Unless that, it's Barkley. Barkley had a go, didn't he, when he came on? It was a great yeah, shot. Yeah, great shot. absolutely. You know, and, and it, you know, if the defence is piled up like that, it's crying out for people to hit the ball. And, you know, we'll probably come on to Hazard shortly, but he, his lack of ability to just put his foot through the ball is, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's, you know... We're not the only ones having a slight pop. I mean, uh, Liam wrote a brilliant article about a lot of all of this actually today. But, you know, Sarri's made the same point with Hazard that he needs to play in the last 25 metres more and certainly be more selfish. So kind of less dribbling and passing and more shooting seems to be the order of the day, doesn't it, Liam? Although it does sound a bit churlish to criticise a player who is, is without doubt our best player. And, you know, there's a very good school of thought to say, you know, if Hazard doesn't play, nor does Chelsea. So, uh, do you want to pick up on what you wrote, Liam? Because I thought it was good stuff. Yeah, I think. Oh, well, I think you're referring to the piece I I wrote on the whistle um, at, at West Ham, which was kind of looking at three different three different themes of the game, and one of them was on Hazard. I, mean, I do think it, you know it, it was the first poor game that he's played in quite a long time, um, but there's always this tension in his game between his natural instinct to be a pass-first guy. I think he's more. He's always been much more in love with the assist than the goal. It's just the way he's wired. Um, and a succession of coaches have tried and battled with him to get him to be more of a goal scorer. And I'm not sure he'll ever quite get there. Certainly not to the level that, you know, Mohamed Salah and and certain other like really prolific wide forwards have been. He he will never be a goal again guy. I don't think. 
Um, and, you know, there, I think there was a lot in this game to show you why, and that not just the, the back heel, as, as Clayton referred to, but just the fact that he, he, he didn't even try and force a shot from outside the area. You know, he, the, I wrote a piece earlier in the week about the key to the, the key to being a great goal scorer, at least statistically in the Premier League, is you have to be prepared to take a lot of shots and miss a lot. That's the one correlation between all of the top goal scorers is they take an awful lot of shots and their efficiency isn't necessarily better than everyone else's, but they just have a larger volume to work with. So they end up with 25, 30 goals. And I'm just not sure Hazard's ever going to shoot enough. And I think the problem is exacerbated by something that Sarri referred to post-match, which was uh, when when I asked him about Pedro, him saying that Pedro's really important to the team because he's the best mover without the ball in the squad. And I think as much as Hazard and Willian, they really do like each other on and off the pitch and they, they really like playing together. And some of the football they, that goes on between them is sensational. But if anything, they're too similar. They're, they're both skillful dribblers who look for the pass more often than they look for the shot. Willian has never scored as many goals as he probably should have done given his talent level. Whereas Pedro is single-minded in that sense. He's always looking to make that run and get into scoring positions. And as Clayton said, you know, if Chelsea have Costa, if they have Drogba, they probably win that game. I'd go as far as to say that if they have Pedro, they win that game. Because I think the the chance that falls to Willian late on, if it falls to Pedro, he probably scores it. Well, he was he was certainly a big miss. Uh, and I, I certainly was a bit worried when I, I saw him, uh, you know, <clears throat> carted off after the Pauk game. But... Uh... These things happen, really, don't they? I mean, you know, without sounding too downbeat about this, and I, I've got to be honest, as per usual, you know, absolute bloody meltdown on social media afterwards, completely over the top. Get a grip, people. Um, I, one thing that really impressed me, actually, was was Jonathan, again, you know, he, he alluded to this, that uh, our pressing, you know, is fantastic, particularly, it, it, you know, at the opposition's end of the pitch. The minute the defender's or midfielders get the ball, we have people on them. And it, it does remind me, actually, uh, very similarly to Barcelona uh, in the odious tic-a-tac-a style of play, which I used to berate many years ago. But people seem to forget that actually one of the secrets behind that was was their ability to win the ball back quickly, often in the opposition's half. And I saw, I saw glimpses of that from us, which is really good. I also think that West Ham actually, you know, did a really good job on us. They, they were good in, in defence and they were good on their counter-attack, something which we're vulnerable to, which we will talk about later. But I'd just like to reiterate, I don't know who put this up, but I nicked this off Twitter and I thought this was actually quite quite sensible. But, you know, last season we got one point, one point alone from our matches against Arsenal, Newcastle, Bournemouth and West Ham. Uh, this season we've got 10 points. So, you know, it's not a time to be panicking people, is it, Jonathan? Uh, no, not in the slightest. Uh, I said earlier, it, it's um, it's still a work in progress. There are moments when it works completely wonderfully. As you said there, Chidge, the, there was a, a purple passage in the game where West Ham just could not stop giving the ball away to us every time they'd mm. attempt anything. And that was because we were pressing so severely. And it was actually quite joyous to watch. I thought, God, this is the plan working. And the, the, the difficulty is, is that... Um, that, that chap Anderson, who I think they took off prematurely, appeared to be able to uh, 
um, to deal with with the counterattacks really well. They 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 counterattack well. That's the way people will play against us. That's the advantage they're going to try and get is they try and soak up the pressure, obviously, and then and get the ball down the pitch. So you need people to be completely on the ball and not clueless. And there were a couple of moments where um, defensively we were a bit away with the fairies. But I think that's something that he just, he's going to keep practicing. Um, but as we're saying, it, it, it's it's so dependent on. Uh, on having somebody to put the ball in the net. I mean, I was despairing the number of times we were all around us. We were all saying, you know, shoot for goodness sake, just, you know, put your leg, put your, put your, your foot through it. Come on. But I, I'm, I'm to getting back to hazard briefly. I, I'm, I, I like Clayton. I found that decision to try and flick the ball backwards. Absolutely bizarre. I don't know what he was doing, but he seemed to be playing very much within himself um, it seemed odd considering he had the week off. Um, uh, but it was interesting, well, the last four minutes of the game, we seemed to actually suddenly get our act together. And uh, and if I felt if we'd played with that intensity earlier on, we'd have won easily. Mm. And whether it was because Barkley was, was pressing it, um, was pushing forwards, I don't know. He seemed to have a, a galvanising effect on the side. Um, you know, and good on him. Because that's... I, I love it if somebody comes on... And, and plays out of their skin and will then give Sarri a, a selection doubt. Um, and that seemed, to be, that seemed to be an interesting combination of players. But um, uh, and that period where they were pressing fantastically, Kante wasn't as far advanced. He seemed to be in a more of a position just to pick stuff off nearer Jorginho. Um, but it's, um, it, 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 the, as we'll get on to, the whole process of him running into the penalty area as the first player is something I just don't understand. I don't understand how that's how that's happening within within that setup. Um, surely somebody could replace him if he's going to be the most advanced player. Surely somebody could he could swap with somebody so that he's then he's then in the position to do the chasing back when the ball when they break when we give the ball away because he is the best player, the quickest player at doing that. Um, but for him to be far advanced and lose the ball, he's never going to get back in time. But I'm, I'm still convinced this is something that they'll work out because we have to remember this is only now mm. six games plus one European game. So I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still unbelievably optimistic about it. And as, as Sarri said, didn't he? That um, he said uh, all the other teams have had years to do this, and I've got I've only had seven games now, and yet everybody talking as if we're we, we should be walking away with the uh, with the league title. I mean, what I'd like to be able to do is just I'd like us to keep there and thereabouts and just put pressure on uh, on city and liverpool and just be and and so that and if they um, we're the dark horses if people want to not mention us i mean um, um murphy on much of the day just mentioned uh, you know he, he he didn't bother to talk about us he just dismissed us as not being being in the picture and i i like it that way and i'd like us just to keep on everybody's coattails just the top two and uh, uh, and I think then we'll mm. we can upset a few people because this will get be- this will get better this will get better and better. Um, the, trouble, the trouble is, being Chelsea fans, of course, we're we're after perfection and we want and we're frustrated because we should we should take take West Ham to the cleaners and we had opportunities to do so. But as you say, um, uh, hammers are always always supply a, a banana skin. That's always always the case, and I think our points are okay personally. As did Sarri. Right. Um, we're going to go for a little break. Uh, and after that, we're going to be uh, going into the whole Kante conundrum in far more depth. And uh, 
And I came up with some uh, watching it and, 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 you know, seeing our strikers struggle, but also watching the way that we play. I kind of wondered if, you know, in the modern game at the moment, we're kind of seeing the death of the old school striker. And we'll also kind of round it all up by having a look at the two Liverpool games coming up this week. See you in a second. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. All right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to. The Chelsea Fancast with uh, the wonderful Jonathan Kidd, the lovely Clayton Beerman, and the uh, wonderful journalist uh, who writes for uh, ESPN.com and uh, gets to go to the press conferences and all the games. Mr. Liam Toomey, who in fact Jonathan and I waved to when I was Jonathan's guest at the Cardiff match uh, at the front of East Middle uh, stand. Wasn't that right, Liam? Yes, indeed. You were most distracting. <laughs> 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 we tried our best we tried our best now uh, uh thank quick you very plug much for uh, the website thank for those you. of you a lovely yes a, a big a big plug for those of you who uh uh you know don't even know that it exists which would be criminal to be honest uh but we do have a wonderful website at chelseafancast.com and lovely yeah it was i was Stuart. i was jonathan's guest you know for a, for a match he took pity on me because he knew I'd have a massive hangover from the party the night before. So there we go. Um, right. Uh, where was I? Yes, ChelseaFanCast.com. Uh, Dean Mears has put a blog up today. Vin de Blue sent us one in. We'll be getting that up on the on the internet as soon as we can. So thank you to our bloggers. Do read them. They write some great stuff. And you know what? It saves me having to. So there we go. Now, uh, before uh, the break, we were, uh, were alluding to the fact that, you know, we don't have anybody who could put the ball in the back of the net. And the first thing I want to ask really is, uh, you know, uh, I wonder, I'm going to ask Liam this first, then I'm going to kind of expound on my theory about the death of the striker in modern football. But, you know, Liam, do you think we are really going to rue the lack of a world-class striker? Because, I mean, you know, that's a game we should have won, really, let's be honest. Uh, and and as, as Clayton was saying, certainly before the break, uh, you know, if we'd have had a Costa or a Drobber or a world-class striker, we would have won that game. And you were saying, in fact, if we'd have had Pedro, we would have won that game. But do you think we're going to rue the lack of a world-class striker this season? Is that, what, is that what's going to scupper us at the end of the day? Uh, I think it's certainly going to be one of the things, um, it, just as it was last year. Uh, they've missed Diego Costa the moment he walked out the door, although you could probably say they they, they missed Diego Costa ever since he... Uh, had that argument with Antonio Conte and started phoning it in. Um, it's it, it's a tough one because the truly elite goal scorers are a finite resource, especially the ones that play the number nine position. And you're you're right in a way. I mean, the the number nine, as we knew it, you know, twenty thirty years ago, has been fading out slightly or at least uh, in di- of diminished importance for the last sort of five to ten years. I mean, Messi and Ronaldo have changed. They've redefined what a goal scorer is and where they play on the pitch. And I think what you're seeing now 
is that a lot, not all, but a lot of the top goal scorers in the world um, start on the wing and, and cut inside. And, and that's clearly the, the vision that Sarri has for for Eden Hazard, although I think we discussed why we're all a bit sceptical of that one. Um, but yeah, the number nine, particularly the way Chelsea play, it, it was bad enough last season when they didn't really have that point of reference who could set set the table for the attack. I mean, Giroud helped when he arrived, but he still doesn't bring the goals that you need from that position. And Sarri plays in a, in a slightly different way, but it still doesn't seem to entirely suit um, Alvaro Morata, especially against deep-lying teams. And Giroud has never been a, a reliable goal scorer at the elite level in his career. He's got many gifts, but that isn't one of them. So... Yeah, it, it is going to be a problem for Chelsea. It will continue to be a problem, but it's it's not necessarily their only one. And I think in most games, they'll get away with it. I actually think the most urgent problem for them to sort out is is the defence, because again, they looked very vulnerable against West Ham. Mm. OK, I mean, you know, Clayton and Jonathan and, and I have been around the game a long time. In fact, Jonathan and Clayton even longer than me. You know, and I, I, you know, I grew up as as you two did with with a classic number nine. You know, and Chelsea, of course, you know, had had some great strikers: Jimmy Greaves, different kinds of strikers: Jimmy Greaves, Bobby Tamling, Barry Bridges, and of course the legendary Peter Osgood, um, Tommy Langley, and Jock Finiston in the seventies. You know, Kerry Dixon in the in the in the eighties. You know, all proper bona fide strikers. Uh, then there were different ones. I mean, Viali, very different type of number nine, but you know, still a proper number nine. And of course, more recently we've had Drogba and we've had Costa. But I, I, I did what you know. I watched that game, Clayton, and I, and I thought I would hate to be a number nine in this ge- in the in in the game today. You know, you just what you watched both Giroud and Morata, and okay, I accept that they both got their faults, um, and they're not perfect. But you you watch them uh, during the build up; they get no space. They've quite often got two or three defenders on them, and they sit there waiting and waiting and waiting, whilst the midfield or the or the two wide men or whatever you'd want to call them fanny about for half an hour. So by the time they they get some space, the moment the moment seems to have gone. And I just thought, who would want to be a number nine these days? Because the game seems to have totally changed. I mean, am, am I barking up the wrong tree or have I got a point here, Clayton? Uh, I think you've got a point. But I I, I basically think we've got two forwards who don't score. I think, yes, the, the whole, you know, the game of football's evolved since we first started watching it. But I, I, you can't tell me that Harry Kane isn't an old-fashioned centre-forward. And he scores goals. Um, or it not might be, at the moment. Well, but generally, you look at his goal-scoring record over the last three years, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, you think we've had a great couple of years, but with him up front, we would have had an even better couple of years. Um, I think that we, you know, we keep making excuses for Giroud and Morata. Um, the point is that I keep get hearing all these sob stories about he just needs a goal. He just, you know, if it, you know, just one off his shin or one off his backside and, you know, be up and running. Rubbish. He scored against Arsenal. And what was that, second game of the season? And what's he done since then? Nothing. He's missed a catalogue of chances. 
you know, yes, he's a he's a confidence player. He's a Chelsea player. I want him to succeed, but I've got no evidence that he's going to succeed. Now, people say Drogba took over a season to get into his stride. Completely agree. He's had a season now. He had a season. And he started off on fire. I think Jonathan mentioned this before, but. We, we basically got lulled into a full sense of security. I don't know what happened to him, but since his brilliant start, he's been, he's been not very good. Now, the game last week um, in Pauk, he, how he didn't score is a mystery. I mean, I'm sorry, but that was inexcusable. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to say I'll give him, you know, as many chances as he needs. But that was, I mean, that was just poor, just absolutely poor. And they and were I, poor. They were terrible. Yeah, they, they were terrible. But he the fact scored, of the matter is... a truckload. Yeah, he, he basically had three or four guilt-edged chances. And I, I just don't buy it anymore that he's lacking confidence. His body language stinks. Every time he misses a chance, which is often, he basically, his head, you know, his head goes down and this, that and the other. I don't see that. I mean, Giroud's a different type of player. Giroud is not and never has been a major goal scorer. But when was the last time he scored for us? Semi-final of the FA Cup? I, You know, he's a great player and he's a great link-up player. And when the, him against Cardiff with Hazard was, was absolutely dreamy. It was fantastic to watch. But the bottom line is, if the midfield's not getting goals, if our defenders aren't scoring goals, you want your bloody forwards to score goals. We've only got two of them. And they got one goal between them this season in, in six games. I'm sorry, but that's that's just not good enough. It really isn't good enough. And yes, I, I, I understand entirely what you're saying, uh, that... Yes, they have to hold back and they have to hold their line and they have to do X, Y and Z. Aguero, Man City, they pass the ball to death as well. Aguero doesn't have any problem waiting around, does he? You know, I I think we're making excuses for players who are just basically not producing what they should produce. Mm. I mean, I, I agree to a certain extent, Clayton, and, 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 and I take your point about making excuses, but I kind of, you know, I just wonder, you know, you can count the number of world-class number nines, you know, okay, they come in different shapes and sizes, and I get that. Aguero is a very different striker to Harry Kane, who is a very different striker to Lewandowski, but there seems to me to be a real dearth of, you know, proper goal-scoring number nines these days. And I wonder, I mean, picking up from what Liam said, Jonathan, I wonder if this has something to do, again, with the way that modern football has evolved. You know, in my day, you, you, you me, Clayton, no doubt. I, well, OK, bad choice, actually, because Clayton, of course, wanted to be Peter Bonetti. But, I mean, most kids that I grew up with, you know, when we were kids, we all wanted to be, we all wanted to be strikers. We all wanted to be the number nine. We all wanted to be goal pigs and score the goals. That, that's where the glory was. And I think it's different now. I think kids grow up wanting to be people like Hazard or Messi or Modric, you know, little dinky players who pass balls and do tricks and stuff. I don't think that the people grow up wanting to be great big hairy ass centre forwards who, who get all the glory. I could be wrong, but it's just a theory, Jonathan. I mean, what do you think? Well, no, I, I think it's it's likely, isn't it? Because uh, um, the tactics have changed completely. The uh, um, mm. and also everybody is so much more athletic. So 
the very fact that teams will park the bus. I mean, I think people teams park the bus now as uh, that that's a that's a normal way of playing against um, um, talented opposition, uh, and that is maintained by top managers. And you they spend hours practicing. Um, preventing people from scoring. So there isn't a great deal of glory for the centre-forwards. Again, I think... And I also think it depends on the club, doesn't it? Because in Man, Man City, I suspect lots of kids want to be Aguero because he belts the cover off the ball. And he, uh, um, um, Whereas, um, uh, obviously, because we've got a player like Hazard, people will want to be Hazard because he's he's a, he's a genius when he can be... when he bothers to play. Um but yeah, I think it's all down to fitness. I think it's it's preventing teams from scoring and playing, um, so that the the centre forward doesn't have the free reign that somebody had. I mean, I was watching um, that program on Stanley Matthews recently, and uh, um, he would always get to the byline with apparent ease by skinning the fullback, and then he would play this bizarre high high ball like a kind of scoop centre, um, and Mortensen would hang about. Mortensen would hang about on the end of the edge of the area and then rush in and take both the goalkeeper and the ball in, into the back of the net. Um, and, uh, and, and so, um, but even, even, even then in that era, it was still, people wanted to be Stanley Matthews because he was the, he was the genius ball player, but it was, um, but as you say, somebody like Mortensen or Nat Lofthouse or somebody from that era, it was the fact that they were, um, they, they were the stars because there was very little pressure on them. Um, and and they, they the laws were such that um, goalkeepers didn't get away with it, and centre halves could be flattened. So I think it's it's become it's the tactic of um, trying to wear the defences down. You need more of you need more ball players, and the defences are going to be much more resilient because they're more, they're fitter and they're more practised uh, in in blocking and preventing. So there's the centres with two three tall centre halves. Set, uh, putting a, a pinpoint centre is really difficult because the defence, the, the emphasis can be on the defence and the referee is going to favour the defence as well. The number of times that the referee gives a free kick when you think, well, actually, that was a 50-50 challenge and the referee thinks it's dangerous play because he's favouring the defence in those instances and the goalkeeper. Um, I mean, rightly so with goalies because was, there was madness in the 50s and early 60s when um, it didn't matter. You could just barge the goalkeeper out of the way and break people's necks. So you had both... Harry Gregg and, and Bert Troutman. Seriously, but Harry Gregg and Bert Troutman with terrible injuries, having to play on in cup finals because they'd been taken out so badly. Um, but I, I, I think, though, if we did have a player um, uh, as good as Aguero playing centre-forward uh, and as good as Drogba, I mean, Drogba, when he played for us, people wanted to be Drogba, didn't they? Um, it, it, it's, down to, it's down to who you get playing. And uh, there is a... A dearth of people. I mean, having said that, though, you, I reckon that um, what's his face from Fulham, Mitrovic, would uh, would uh, would do well for us. I reckon if we'd bought him, because he has a kind of villainy about him. He has a Costa attitude uh, that that I think possibly we need. I wonder whether, in fact, both Morata and um, and Giroud are too nice. You know, they're good good exponents, but whether you need something that's a little bit villainous. Because Aguero certainly got it. He's a filthy player. Um, I'm trying to think what other other players uh, you know we could poach, or, or whether there's a question of you go the other route. You choose what the Bournemouth striker. I said this on Friday. Get a very very nippy, swift centre forward who's as quick as everybody else, 
Um, and then, uh, like, well, I can't remember his name, the Bournemouth player. Callum um, Wilson. Yeah, that's it, Callum Wilson. I forgot it then, and you reminded me then. And he's the kind of player you think, well, perhaps that will fit in more with Sarri. But uh, I wonder whether, in the end, we're not going to, I would say, I've said this before, whether we're going to end up not with um, Giroud or Morata, and we're going to end up with Pedro, William and Hazard as the three. And we won't play a striker because at the moment, neither of them um, are fulfilling anything for me. I don't know what either of them. Are. I know Juru can keep keep the ball. But if 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 no goals are being stored, he might. And I think it fits the way his it, the Cerismo playing fits having these three. I think Liam's mentioned this before. Um, having the three up as he did with Mertens, who keeps coming round, um, keep talking about Mertens. But I, I, I think that that might fit it better. But I, I'm, I'm constantly intrigued as to how we'll play against better teams. I mean, you were saying we may have been sussed. I don't think it's possible to, to suss that way of playing because it's so to do with first-time passing and keeping the ball and, and pressing and breaking down. I don't think you suss anybody because you're too... I thought there were moments when actually when we played the best we played on Sunday, where West Ham were completely bewildered and started giving the ball away because the pressing was so fantastic. Um, that's far, I've gone off the subject there, Chidge, but um, uh, uh, you know what I mean? It might be that we end up not playing with either of them. Well, I, 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 I think there's a lot, lot of sense in that, Jonathan. Actually, I think that, that picks up on Liam's point, you know, which, which you know, we could have Pedro as, as the striker, if you like, uh, you know, flanked by yeah. William and Hazard. And of course that, you know, I was thinking of Liverpool, of course. They don't have a proper number nine. They've got Sane, Sane, they've got Mane, Salah and Firmino, none of whom <laughs> are what I would call a traditional number nine. So, you know, it, it could work. Um, now, talking of Liam, in Liam's wonderful blog, which I've nicked to produce most of this programme, as he's already figured out, the check will be in the post, Liam, obviously. Um, but Liam said something brilliant, which I thought was sums up the, the issue with Kante at the moment, because I want to move it on to the Kante debate. Um, you know, Kante's being asked to do a Frank Lampard impersonation minus any of the finishing skill, which I think summed it up brilliantly. But, I mean, what what I saw on Sunday, he always seems to be the man that's free, which is what you want of one of your midfielders getting into the box. But, you know, trying trying to put a high ball into Kante seems like stupid to me he seemed to be the wrong man in the right place every time so Liam you know what what are we going to do here I, I get totally that it, it's useful to have Kante in the side to to the, in this new role which effectively is to to win the ball back higher up the pitch that makes a lot of sense to me but you know he ain't Frank Lampard you know he's not going to score us goals and it, and it seemed to be very frustrating that he was the man always at the in the right place you know the right place but unable to finish it off so how do we solve this issue because clearly you, you've got to play Kante he's a world-class player one of our few world-class players yeah absolutely he has to play he's 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 a one-of-a-kind player um and I think it's a the first thing to say is it's a it's a testament to how intelligent he is as a footballer that he's playing he's been given more attacking responsibility than he's ever been given before. And he is making these runs. He is getting into these positions so often and he is adapting so well, but you can't teach someone to be a, uh, a lethal finisher in the box overnight. You know, Frank Lampard didn't become Frank Lampard in a month. It took years of work for him to become as, as deadly as he was from all angles and all ranges. Um, and I'm not sure Kante 
has that time. And even if he even if he does have that time, there's no guarantee he would ever get there. So it is a problem that Sarri will have to have to address at some point. I think to a, to an extent, it's not necessarily a deliberate thing that Sarri is asking Kante to be the furthest midfielder forward all the time. I think part of it is maybe a natural consequence of the way Chelsea are playing, where so many more of the attacks go down the left side, where you have Hazard, where you have Kovacic, where you have Alonso overlapping. That is clearly Chelsea's dangerous flank. So that flank generally has the ball, which means that the the midfielder on the other side, ahead of Jorginho, it makes sense that he will then be tasked with, you know, running forward without the ball. Whereas, you know, a lot of people have suggested swapping Kovacic and Kante over. And I think I'm not sure it would be the solution for all ills, but it, it, it could well be worth a go because we saw signs in the game against Cardiff a week ago that I know Kovacic has spoken about. It's not his natural game either to make those runs, but he did make a few of those runs against Cardiff and almost scored a brilliant goal. If you remember when uh, Olivier Giroud backheeled the ball through to him and it was only a brilliant save from Neil Etheridge that, that stopped him. So he, I think he has that more naturally in his game to to get into those positions and maybe to be a better finisher than Kante once he's there. So maybe it might be worth a worth a go to to swap to swap sides and and Kante Kante's natural work rate could could also cover for Alonso's relentless attacking ambition and 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 Hazard's kind of re- reluctance to do too much defensive work. And I, I mean that's a little bit unfair on Hazard. You don't really want him doing much defensive work either. Well, I mean, that only works, of course, if, if Kovacic then becomes the man on the right who turns up at the box to, to finish it, and one, one wonders whether he, he, he's able to or not. Um, time is oppressing, gents, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move this on. Um, obviously, one of the worrying signs, uh, Clayton, was the fact that Rudiger went off injured. Um, we'll get on to the ramifications of that in a minute, but what, of course, that meant was that... Uh, Gary Cahill got a run out, bless his little cotton socks. And, of course, he's been in the news all week because it sounds like uh, he may well look to move uh, in January if he doesn't get any game time. Uh, and I just thought it would be apposite of us to, uh, you know, to, to, to basically say some nice words about Gary Cahill because he's been a wonderful servant to Chelsea. And, of course, as we all know, he's won it all. The quickest, uh, I think, the, the, the player who's won every single major competition in the quickest possible time. Um but can you understand his decision to, to leave in January if, he, if, in fact, he decides to do that? Completely. And I think it's I think it's a sad indictment of um, some of the keyboard warriors that we actually have to even have this conversation. It, it should be a given that yeah. this man should be lauded um, because he's been a brilliant, brilliant servant. He never kicks up a fuss. He never says anything. I've never seen him give anything less than 100% when he goes on the pitch. Yes, he might not be the greatest defender in the world, but he's 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 not bad. Um, and I think the amount of abuse that he has taken for no reason at all, um, you know, I think he got abuse because firstly he wasn't John Terry, and then he got abuse because John Terry wasn't there and he wasn't good enough. But we ended up winning the league with him without John Terry the last time we won it. I just think it's appalling, to be perfectly honest. Um, time for him to move on, yeah. But if you look at what our our cover is, 
we've got Rudiger, uh, we've got Christensen, and maybe Asby as cover. I mean, I haven't mentioned David Luiz because I really don't know where where it's all going to end with him, to be perfectly honest. Um, I just think it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. He wants to play football. And, and, and to me, he is he is of the old breed. He wants to play. He doesn't want to just sit there and pick up a check. He actually wants to play football. Um, and if he goes, I will be sad because it means that another you know, piece of that wonderful team is gone. But I don't blame him at all. Um, and I'd much rather, in all honesty, a young player came through. Um, I think we are, I don't know, we're, we're of the opinion that Ampadu is probably going to be a DM rather than a, a central defender. But ultimately, if he... Sorry, I'm being disturbed by Mrs. Beerman. You sound as if you were yawning. I thought you were yawning. No, that, <laughs> no, that, that no, that, what, what you Suddenly heard, decided what you to, heard. Was, boring yourself. <laughs> no, what, what you actually heard was the, um, the, the fantastic skills that I have as a DIY person. It's a door that's probably needed oiling for about 10 years. Um, so no, so just going back to doors that needed oiling 10 years ago. No, Gary Cahill, great servant. Um, I don't think, you know, I think it's, as I say, I think it's a very sad indictment that we've even got to sort of defend him because uh, he doesn't need defending. He should be lauded. But don't you think, um, I wonder that, in fact, Surrey brought him on um, just to say, uh, um, I think you're still part of the squad, actually, because he, no, he could have brought Christensen on, couldn't he? If he'd, um, or was Christensen on the bench? I can't remember. I don't know, to be honest. I did actually think that at the time. Can you remember, Liam? Was he was Christensen on the bench? I am in the process of looking it up because I can't actually remember. <laughs> I, was, I was typing frantically at that point. But uh, I think um, one one reason why it might have been Cahill ahead of Christensen is that uh, Christensen wasn't actually on the bench. Ah, no, I've just checked. Right. That would be um, the but even if they were, I think, I th- yeah, he- even if they were, I think uh, Sarri might not have been hugely enthused to play him and Louise together. I think he wants two slightly different types of defenders in the back four. That's just oh, yeah, the sense point. I get, not good necessarily point. anything yeah. he said. Yeah, very good point. Very good. I thought Gary Cagle played played well when he came on. I, you know, I didn't see any difference between him and Louise. I think they were, they were as quick as each other. But, um, that's being a bit unfair, I suppose. I, I got a wonderful uh, kind of pang of nostalgia, actually, when Cahill came on to partner Louise, which, of course, was our Champions League winning defensive pairing, unless you've all forgotten. Mind you, that was six years ago, to be fair. I mean, look, yeah, but I, I when we won the league, it's too soon. And when we won the know, league I, I, two years ago. And when we, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's absolutely right, JK, absolutely right. And that's the point. I wonder if it's a bit too soon, although I do... You know, I, I have some sympathy for Cahill. I mean, you know, have we got cover? Well, Ampadu can do a job there, we know. But I, I, I yeah, well, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, frankly, I think Gary Cahill's earned the right. And as Clayton said, if you've got younger people coming through, then maybe maybe it's the right decision for him. But uh, I I think it'll, I would be sad to see him go. He's been a tremendous servant for the club. And 
And I think the the other point that Clayhill, uh, Clayhill, that Clayton picked up on was the fact that you know he he's almost the last of the Mohicans. Him and Dave, David Louise are the last of that 2012 side, aren't they? So there you go. Right, let's move this on um, because uh, I'm not going to bother with the other half the questions I've put in here because they kind of answer themselves really. Let's let's look ahead to uh, the double dose of Scouse this week. Um, first of all, I think pretty simple. Let's talk about Wednesday first, and then we'll, we'll go into more detail about Saturday. Because frankly, I, I, I can't see anything other than two B teams being played. I'll be amazed if Sarri does what he did against Pauk, which, I'll be honest with you, surprised me. I thought he would rest far more of the players than he did. And then, of course, he's moaned subsequently about the fact that he doesn't have enough time to prepare between Thursday and Sunday, which I think is absolute rubbish. It's no difference from Wednesday to Saturday. We've been playing, we've been doing that in England for bloody decades, so it's a very, very lame excuse. But that said, I don't see him picking anything other than a complete B team on on Wednesday, Liam. Or, or have I got this wrong again? Well, I think if Sarri's smart, that's what he'll do. Um, I was a little bit surprised at how few each, few changes he made against Pauk, although I, I think his uh, his logic was to try and maintain a little bit of tactical consistency with the team, that if you just change 11 players, they might lose a bit of momentum and uh, and that could have carried over to the West Ham game. As it was, it didn't quite work out anyway. But he did say in the, in the press conference after West Ham that he was he would probably make anywhere between five and 11 changes depending on the, on the physical state of the players for this game. We already know that I think Rudiger and Pedro definitely won't play because he he was making positive signs, positive noises about them maybe being fit for the Liverpool game in the Premier League this weekend, but they certainly won't be risked. And then you're looking at, um, you know, got, I think Hazard will probably be given another midweek off and and Kovacic as well, given how deep they went in the World Cup. So, yeah, I, I could see probably about seven or eight changes um, for that game. And I'd imagine Liverpool will do something fairly similar because the, the Premier League game is is the one that really counts. And, uh, and, and I think Chelsea will probably go into that game as, as underdogs, even though, even though they're at home. Well, that's a very, very good point. And, I mean, there are so many, so many issues uh, surrounding this Liverpool game. I mean, not least because it's probably our first real test uh, against, uh, you know, much as I hate to admit it, a, a decent side. I mean, first of all, Liam, do you think Pedro and Rudiger will be fit for that? Because I think it's vitally important that if we've got a chance to win, that they are. I think it's it's too early to say for certain, but it looked to me as if Rudiger was maybe taken off as a precaution. Um, he, he, he didn't look in, in too much pain. He looked like he was moving slightly gingerly, but maybe a, a, just a little tweak rather than anything that will keep him out for ages. And um, I think given that Pedro was rested for this game, he will have had a full week and a half for an injury that Sarri originally described as not that serious um, to begin with, even though it looked bad when it happened. Uh, so I, my instinct is that both of them will start. Whether they're whether they're exactly a hundred percent or not, I don't know. But I, I think they probably will make the eleven. Of course, the bigger issues are, you know, that I think you know what a lot of people think is that. And again, you wrote very well about this uh, today or yesterday, should I say? But. It, it, on paper, of course, one should never judge a game on paper, but on paper, Liverpool looked like a team 
that could exploit a lot of our vulnerabilities. And just to kind of run down a bit of a list here, uh, the, the prospect of Salah running at Alonso gives me the shivers. Uh, we don't have any goal scorers at the moment. We've got a lack of genuine width. These are all the points you made, Liam. But of course, the best one, I think, is the, the real worry that we're very vulnerable to counterattacks at speed when we lose possession. And I mean, even against West Ham uh, on Sunday, uh, you know, we when we lost possession, West Ham got at us and in fact could have scored a couple of times. So, is uh, you know, I mean, it's a pretty extensive list, really. We've got a lot to be worried about, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the early, all the early signs are that this is the best Liverpool team of my lifetime, uh, just in terms of the attacking firepower they have. I know the Suarez team was good, aren't you but that was all aren't concentrated. You lucky, aren't you lucky not to have lived that long? <laughs> Sorry, mate, I cut across you. Aren't you lucky not to have lived that long? That's me, right. me, Jonathan and Clayton have seen them when they were well, really good, yeah. which is horrible. Anyway, sorry, I rudely interrupted you. Carry on. Well, we're, t- we're talking we're talking 30 years with me um, and probably you know, t- 23 since I, since I was watching football with any degree of attention. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think this this team has even more attacking firepower than the Suarez team, purely because that side it was it was mainly focused in Suarez and Sturridge, whereas this time they have, you know, three three players up front who are all keep equally capable of hurting you, and guys from midfield who make runs as well, and they are they are smart. They are fast. They are arguably an even better pressing team than Chelsea are at this stage. They are more tactically. Um, cohesive because they've been doing this for longer. They are on the crest of a wave because they've won their first seven league games for the first time ever and absolutely spanked Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League. I Honestly, I couldn't think of a worse time to play a team like this Liverpool team. But, you know, football does funny things and um, we haven't seen this particular matchup yet. But my instinct is that the way, the way Klopp sets up his teams... They are ideally suited to sow chaos in possession teams. And they did it to City three times out of four last year. And at this stage, Chelsea are a kind of watered-down version of City in terms of the way they're trying to play. They're not quite as slick at it. The the players aren't quite as good in every position. And then they're not quite as flawless on on the press. And they would need to be absolutely flawless on the press because whatever... Felipe Anderson and Andrei Yarmolenko did um, when they were when they were catching Chelsea's fullbacks upfield. I mean, you can imagine what that would be like with with Salah and Mane. Uh, Clayton, it's a very worrying prospect. I mean, how do, how do we, you know, how, how, if we're going to, I mean, I have to be honest. I mean, there was, as I said, you know, there's every, every chance that Liverpool will rip us a new one. But wouldn't it be wonderful to uh, to halt their unbeaten run? Nothing in life would give me greater pleasure. But how on earth are we going to do it? Um. Well, I think it's going to depend on on something that Sarri hasn't really shown so far, and that's flexibility. Um, The the Pauk team was was bonkers. You know, we said on Friday night, if we have any scouting system, we would have known how poor they were, and they were awful. There there was no reason for half of... Well, there's no reason for that team to, to be as strong as it was. We could have played a lot of fringe players, which would have meant that we were fresher for West Ham. Um, and I actually thought when Rudiger came off, 
why on earth, you know, why on earth did he go to Greece? Why wasn't he one of the ones that stayed back here? Um, I don't know whether that was contributory. I, th- I think he has to be flexible. I think if we have got any chance of basically um, doing anything against Liverpool, we have to have Kante back protecting the back four. Um, I think we also have to have more cover in midfield. One of the things that was... Um, patently obvious even against West Ham is the ball over the top that you know Hazard isn't tracking back to defend and I know he's been told not to um, but nobody else was so basically our fullbacks are being exposed with the ball over the top there was acres and acres of space um, and the, these these were players who aren't anywhere near at the level of, uh, of Sane and um, Salah um, and Firmino. I mean, they are a very, very good team. But the point is, and this all got lost in in the mists of time, but actually for the first 25 minutes, I was watching us on Sunday and thinking, blimey, we're actually quite good, aren't we? And we did. We looked really, really good. So Mm. I think it's a combination of whether he's willing to, to basically say, okay, for this game, maybe this game only, uh, because we're going to need it, I've got the best defensive midfield player in the world. I'm going to actually play him where he's supposed to play. I mean, he's not losing anything by doing that. He's just basically showing that he's tactically aware. Um, if he doesn't do that, I, I think we're, we're, we're toast. Because I think if you just remember back about what uh, Man City did to Jorginho in the Community Shield. Now, I know that's a different game because there was not match fitness, etc., etc., and we didn't have other players playing. But Jorginho was absolutely swamped against Man City and completely ineffective. Um, and that's exactly what's going to happen um, with Liverpool. Uh, so I think, as I say, and, and the other thing is, um, we need to take our chances. Because we'll get chances. We will get chances because we'll create them. But unless we take them, you know, that's the other thing. They've got a very good defence and we need to be ruthless in front of goal. Can we do that? No idea. Um, but the one thing I would say about them is I don't think they'll kick Hazard. So if Hazard's up to his game, then we've always got a chance. I mean, th- to be honest, Jonathan, it's, it's almost impossible. I mean, OK, everybody's expecting us to get hammered, but I think, you know, we're Chelsea, for Christ's sake. We're at home. We are a decent side. Clayton said it a minute ago. We play good football. So on our day... Why on earth can't we beat them? You know, if we turn up, defend properly, Hazard has a good game, why on earth not? I agree completely. And uh, he'll obviously be doing some work, Sarri. He won't just set us up against them without looking at, looking at how they play. So, uh, I mean, but he, he, doesn't tend to, um, he doesn't tend to react to teams. He doesn't think... Um, Right, this team plays. This 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 is in the the brief period that we've seen him as a manager. He seems to play the way he wants to play, and uh, and the other team has to deal with it. So it's inter- It'll be interesting to see how he plays, how he sets them up to play against a team who plays similarly, um, uh, and whether he could become more defensive. Whether we'll see Kante play uh, in a more defensive role. Whether he whether he makes the the midfield hang back more, but it seems to be very contrary to the way he wants to play. Um, 
but yeah, and it, it 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 never works out the way for Liverpool at the Bridge that Liverpool always hope it will. They always come along and sing their "You ain't got no history" stuff, and then they 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 don't cope very well. Or like happened last year, it happened in the season, of course, when we won the league. I think they what did they beat us beat us easily at home and played excellently, and then. Um, um, and then they didn't play very well after that. And then, of course, we well we we beat them one nil, didn't we, under Conte last year? But he played a very defensive game against them. Um, in fact, we parked the bus. It was as if we were the away team. Um, uh, sorry, as if yeah, we were for the away team. Um, uh, no, the home, yeah, away team. Um, but um, uh, uh, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I I even think um, Klopp might play a decent team against us on Wednesday. Just to teach us a lesson, I just got, got that feeling. You know, why? Why are we presuming that both sides on Wednesday will play reserve sides? I know Sarri said he, he's going to make lots of changes, but um, uh, I suppose it's his resting resting players, isn't it? But at the same time, uh, I think they might play a slightly stronger side than we think, because I think he'll be out to teach us a lesson. He'll be out to blow us away. Because they're trying to make points, aren't they? This this stage of the season, they want to win every game, if possible. Well, I, you know, I think it's actually really unfortunate that we've got the Carabao Cup match before the league match. Because I mean, it's it's the most important league match thus far in the season, and uh, you know, Liverpool and City are the teams to beat. I think this year, and I think we could have done without this because, you know, that I. I you know, if if for example we play a decent side uh, against Liverpool on Wednesday and they play a weakened side and we win, in a sense it's meaningless because they put a weakened side out, and the and the, the converse is is true, you know, as well. If they play a strong side and we play a weakened side, it means I think it. I think it's really irritating. I wish we didn't have the Carabao Cup match before the league match, but because I, I think the league match is more important by a long, 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 long chalk. Um. I don't know why. I've just got a hunch we might we might beat them on 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 Saturday. I don't give a stuff really what happens tomorrow. I really don't. And call me call me plastic or whatever you want, but I just don't think it matters in the scheme of things. But I do think the match on Saturday does, uh, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're gonna win. So near 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 near. Right, we got to move on. Uh, in part three, uh, we've got uh, some emails for Jonathan to read out on tattoos. A message from Bhutan. I remember a, an old kind of, you know, Second World War film about Bhutan. I can't remember what it was called, but it's it's somewhere out in, in the Philippines near there, isn't it? Anyway, somebody will tell me, no doubt. And uh, we also have uh, that rare thing. We have an apology to Jonathan in an email. It can't be taken back. It exists in, in electronic form. It's there as evidence. But we have an apology to Jonathan. I'm excited to hear it after this break. Cheech. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Cheech, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, 
and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, and on tonight's show, we've got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd, the lovely Clayton Beerman, and the erudite Liam Toomey. But for the next little while or so, unless me, uh, Liam, and Clayton get to kind of respond to them, we've got Jonathan... The spotlight is on Jonathan Kidd to read out the emails. The emails. The emails. Here we are. Ashley Brain. Ashley Brain. Oh, hang on. It's moved on my page. Yes. Hi, fancast, cast gang. Two fancasts. Um, I wrote in towards the end of last season. I must thank you for reading my email out. Many thanks. No problem at all, Ashley. I have not managed to get to a game this, uh, this so far this season, as I'm still based in Liverpool. Ooh. And having finished my degree, I'm now working full time. I wonder what you're up to. However, I'll be doing anything I can to get my hands on League Cup away tickets to Anfield. I'll just be awkward singing, Liverpool is a shithole, I want to go home. But sing it, I will. Don't go into the cop and sing it, though, because he won't last very long. This email is a question of tattoos. I'm aware people's opinions on tattoos are diverse. I, however, have a few tattoos, none Chelsea-related. Hmm. Firstly, I wanted to know if any of the gang has any Chelsea-related tats. If so, what are they? Well, I've got an enormous lion on my back, actually, actually, and his tail goes right down into my... Anyway, um, I'm dead set on a Chelsea tattoo. I've considered the Chelsea lion. Yeah, there we are. Chelsea in writing on my forearm or simply the date 1905-12. Should that not be 1912-05? Um, Anyway, looking for ideas and advice. For example, if I got something big and obvious, it means at bars and things, I'm a Chelsea fan before I open my mouth. Well, you you may have a fist down your mouth and people see it. I like that idea. However, I don't like any sort of trouble. Yes, particularly considering the part of the country I live in. Any thoughts? Uh, I would be very careful in Liverpool for exhibiting anything to do with Chelsea. 
I had an old girlfriend once who went into a gym wearing a Chelsea T-shirt that she'd borrowed, she'd left in her bag and wore in the gym and was asked to take it off, take it to go back and change as they didn't like that kind of thing in the gym. Only Liverpool T-shirts. They're very sensitive about that kind of thing. Anyway, thanks, guys. I work into the late evening, so I often miss the chance to be part of the Mixler firm. But I've been enjoying all the pods this year. Keep it up. Keep it Chelsea. Ashley. Lovely, lovely, uh, lovely, warm uh, email from Ashley there. Um, Chidge, where's your tattoo? I've got a tattoo of a fridge on my bum. No, I'm, I'm lying. I haven't really. I just thought that would be amusing. <laughs> I don't actually. I, 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 you know, I've, I've, I've never really felt I had the muscles to warrant having a tattoo, uh, which is pretty girly of me really isn't it but I, oh ashley ashley's in the uh in in mixler so there we go hi ashley thank you for that email it's great stuff mate um i would say if i was going to get a tattoo the only time i've ever con- ever considered getting a tattoo um I, I i really felt very strongly about possibly getting a tattoo of the european cup with uh 1905 12 on it in roman numerals because that is the thing um, but uh, I don't have big enough biceps for it all to fit on. Um, but if I was going to get a tattoo, it would be that. Oh, I see. I think. Or uh, sorry, I see. Nineteen oh five, twelve. God bloody! Oh, you see how away with the fairies I was there. I was thinking nineteen oh five. I thought he was doing it from when Chelsea was founded. Oh five. You see it? No, it's nineteen oh five. Oh God! Sorry. No, no. Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 I I don't have a tattoo. I'm scared of needles. Liam? If I was going to have a tattoo, I I would just have the... Remember the, the, the one that they had on the... The badge that they had on the shirt in the 1960s, which was just that script of CFC. I'd have one of those on my arm and that would be it. Oh, I mean, lovely. The, the, the answer is to have the tattoo, if you want to live in Liverpool, um, somewhere where they won't be able to see it. So uh, that's that's, to me... Is where you should be having your tattoo. What about Liam? What about Liam? Where's your tattoo, Liam? None of your business. Ooh. No, uh, no, um, <laughs> no. I don't. I don't. I don't have any tattoos. I don't. I don't have any tattoos. I, f- I feel like they look. Um, they. I, I feel like they really don't suit pasty white Irish skin, uh, which is what I have. So. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I'm really, really sorry, Ashley. We've been utterly, utterly uh, disappointing. You've got the wrong Useless. cast on the fan cast tonight to ask that question. Had we had had we had we um, Alex Churchill on uh, or uh, Marco on, uh, I'm sure they would have been able... I know Marco's got tattoos. I'm just kind of fantasising about the fact that Alex might have a few. But there you go. And the other thing is, mate, I'm really delighted you've managed to get a ticket. Go and enjoy the game and keep your head down. Uh, Jonathan, next email, please. Just very briefly, um, the actor Clive Mantle, um, who was um, is a Chelsea fan, uh, was um, um, Rob with little John in Robin Hood. If you remember that series that was on, um, he had a Chelsea tattoo on his arm as an actor, and then he spent the rest of his career he has spent having to hide it for when he was doing medieval films or any other kind of similar character to uh, something in the 14th century. So it's probably not a great idea for for actors to have um, specific tats about football teams because they're a bit, um, excuse me, chronologically incorrect. 
You have to put a lot of makeup on it, but they tend to shine through. Anyway, next one. Benjamin Basnet. Dear Chidgy and the boys. Oh, Chidgy, lovely. Shout out to Chelsea Fancast for providing Chelsea FC fans all over the world quality media and an exceptional podcast for listeners. Thank you, Benjamin. That's a lovely thing to say. I've been listening to the podcast for about five years on and off. And boy, I tell you, as a fan, I've really enjoyed listening to the way you guys discuss not only about the game itself, but what goes in and around the club. I've enjoyed the holistic approach you guys bring to the table on not only the history of the club, but also how that relates to current events happening with the players and the support they get from the club. I've been wanting to write an email for the longest time now to share my experience and how I became a Chelsea fan. Growing up as a kid in Bhutan, my father, football coach of Bhutan's national team, used to take me to his training sessions where I had the privilege of getting to know the game from scratch and that built my passion and love for the game. I owe it to my dad for always encouraging me to be involved in playing football in the youth academy to all the way in college. As a millennial, my love for Chelsea FC started when I first watched players like DDA Lamps, Robin and SEN play their magic in the early 2000s. Yes, you, you were privileged. They were wonderful. Something about the golden generation of players on the way they dominated every aspect of the game against their opponents attracted my attention to watch them week in and week out. I remember as a teenager watching Michael Essien's bullet of a goal against Arsenal in the living room where I jumped for joy and banged my head against the wall so hard I was caught in between the pain and rejoicing Chelsea's perfect home record. <laughs> These were the kind of memories I cherish. Ever since then, I haven't missed a Chelsea game. I want to comment on the perfect start to the season this year. After watching us thumping four goals against Cardiff City, I'm starting to believe now that we could be title contenders. It seems like Sarri is bringing stability in the team after what happened with that moody Conte, who couldn't manage great players like Diego Costa and David Luiz. Man management is the one of the most important aspects of the game these days, with so many superstars in the squad. I feel like Sarri has and will continue to do a good job in keeping big players like William, Pedro, Morata, Giroud and Hazard happy with his system. In terms of captaincy, I feel like Sarri should give it to Hazard since he looked fantastic against Cardiff, running all over the field and making the difference in the game. Plus Hazard is in his prime with captaincy experience in the Belgian squad and been at the club for many years, knowing how things run. I'm very excited to see how, how we do this season. Anyways, enough of my jabbering. I hope this short email will intrigue you all and hopefully get a shout out in the next podcast. Till then, up the chills. Cheers, Benjamin Bassnet. Yeah, good mail, good mail. Um, yes, uh, I thought well, I think uh, I think um, unfortunately having uh, not got the perfect start to the season, it's slightly not. What do you wanted there, old Benjamin? But, you know, I think we're going to have a good time under Surrey. So, uh, yeah, it's a good time to be a Chelsea fan. As it is, it's a good. is, it's been a good time the last 15 years to be a Chelsea fan. So uh, I think you chose your your um, your uh, first time of watching the, the team with... with, with uh, it was an excellent period to be doing that. Robin is one of my favourite players. I think you probably know if you've been listening to the podcast. Absolutely love him. What do you think of that, Ninchidge? Sweet mail, sweet mail. Lovely email. Thank you, Benjamin. That's very sweet of you. I'd love to know where Bhutan is. I, I, somebody please on Mixler, tell me where Bhutan is. I've got this kind of idea that it's somewhere in Southeast Asia. 
somewhere near the Philippines, but I could be wrong. Uh, but I, I tell you what really struck me about that, JK, is the fact that his dad was the football coach of Bhutan's national team. How about that? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah, blimey. But it, yeah. isn't it, it's just one of those things, again, I know JK gets in awe of it, and it is a fantastic thing, that it's all over the world, the podcast. It's absolutely brilliant. It's not, not to be underestimated in any way, shape, or form. Indeed. Uh, Jonathan, next email, please. This is from Jonathan Ulsaka. Dear Chidge, Jonathan et al., who is Al? Ho, 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 ho. Um, I write today, hat in hand, as I have to, as I have to apologetically give credit to Jonathan hmm, for having the real scoop on Antonio no. Conte last season. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was quite annoyed with him. Oh, as I was convinced that the board had mistreated them. And perhaps they did him. But evidently, he was quite a hard case as an employee and a boss. I'm still a fan of his ability. Yeah, me too. We all are. And we'll forever be grateful to him for the previous season and the league championship, along with the FA Cup last spring. I believe, however, he needs to read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yes. Perhaps if he was more of a team player, so to speak, he'd still be the manager. Apologies to Jonathan for me having doubted him. Oh, Jonathan to another Jonathan. It's, I, 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 I forgive you. Um, that leads me to Sarri and this season. What a great start. I was listening to the Premier League preview show this past week. They were discussing what it takes to win the league. And the consensus was that you had to have a player a la Salah last season with the Scouse, who was absolutely on fire. They therefore ruled Chelsea out. Now, I'm not advocating the Blues as favourites at this point, but based on their start, I'd say they're right up there behind Liverpool and Man City and are certainly capable. I look at the side that won the league the year before last, and I don't see the player on fire. What I see is what we have every year at Chelsea, which is a lot of quality, agree completely, which, when organised and well-led, is capable of competing for the title. Yes, I believe that Jorginho and Kovacic have flipped what was a questionable midfield into one of the best in the league, if not in Europe. And the return of Ross Barkley to form has given us depth. In fact, when you consider... CHO, Ampadu, RLC and Christensen in the mix, all of whom are maturing into, into their potential. We've got pretty decent A and B sides and look to go deep in all competitions if we can get past the scouts later this month in the League Cup. Lastly, Eden Hazard may very well qualify as that player on fire. The freedom he has under Sarri has unleashed what may be his full potential and he looks to finally meet our full expectations as supporters. Look out, is all I can say to the rest of the league. You better take the Blues seriously or you're in for it. Finally, I just want to comment on a remark of Chidge's this past week when he expressed surprise that any clergy would be out there listening to the pod. Well, I am an Anglican priest. Perhaps you think that, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps you think that clergy are not sporting types, but shockingly, many of us are. If you've seen John Wayne's film The Quiet Man, consider the character of Fra Lonergan. A boxing fan and fisherman, I have no doubt that Fra Lonergan, properly oriented, would be a Chelsea fan as well. As for me, I have no doubt that Jesus Christ has no interest in football, but if he did, I firmly believe that he would support the Blues as well. Yeah, I was about to make a 
terrible joke then, I won't. Keep up the good work and know that those of us who can't be with you at Stamford Bridge greatly appreciate what you do on the pod. Up the Chelsea, beat the Scouse. Jonathan Ulsaka, Atlanta, Georgia. Well done, well done, mate. Lovely, Fantastic. lovely mail. Lovely mail. Brilliant. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I, think I, wasn't, that's I, wasn't, I wasn't laughing at the fact he was a priest. I was just laughing that it was an email from a priest. That was all. Yes. Isn't, isn't he the third priest, though? Because we had the one the other day. We've got the other one who we met, Chidge, in the, um, the Atlas, and um, uh, whose name I can't remember. And, um, and this one here. Hope that is Matt. Friar, F.R. Lonergan. What would it be, Matt? Um, Father. Matt, um, Father. Uh, Father. Oh, God, Friar, Jonathan. Just goes to show, doesn't it, what, what an ignorant religious idiot I am. Of course, it's Father Lonergan. I'm so sorry. A boxy man and fish, no doubt. Father Lonergan would be a Chelsea fan. Friar. Brother. I was thinking of brother, Frere. Um, good. Yeah, well, well done there, Jonathan. Fantastic. Lovely. Lovely mail. Lovely mail. Uh, well, uh, you know, I think I, I, for, by means of clarification, I, 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 I wasn't suggesting for one minute that, the, that men of the cloth uh, don't like football. I was kind of more really reacting in horror, Jonathan Bullsacker, not kid. I was more reacting in horror that uh, these poor men of the cloth have to listen to my profanity week in week out so i apologize for that <laughs> on the upside i'm i'm delighted to, I, I, on the upside i'm delighted to hear that uh the chelsea football fan cast has, has, is now anointed by god basically uh much as i've always thought we are the most self-righteous podcast out there so uh there we go you know what is it they say um they used to say god was an englishman didn't they i think god god was a chelsea fan cast supporter that's why i think what, what you're saying i love the other bit about uh, what he said though jonathan um you know about how good we are and, and, and actually nil desperandum and all that. It's been really interesting. I've been listening. I listen to, to the radio a lot, as you all know, and it's been really interesting to hear what a lot of the other pundits have been saying about this team. But uh, they, the, the, the two things that have come out most of all, uh, which is why we should be taken seriously, they all seem to think that we are definitely third behind uh, City and Liverpool. Uh, so we should get into the top four. They all think that Eden Hazard's the best player in the Premier League. And the other thing that they keep saying, which I think is equally important, is that we look a team. And that what Sarri's done is that he's gelled this team. He's got them all playing for each other. They look like a happy ship. And and they they also just finalised that by saying, do bear in mind that Chelsea won the title twice in the last few years. So, you know, basically this, this team knows how to win the league. It's a good team. It just needs somebody to turn up and, and make them play. And that's what Sarri seems to have done. So... You know, I think we should surprise a few this year, JK. I really do. I'd be interested to hear what the other boys think as well. Well, you know, that's that's been my uh, my attitude all the way through. I think it's uh, it's it's uh, it's work in progress, but it's getting there. And I think we're I think we're going to be great. And it be, would be interesting to see if he does make any uh, any uh, purchases in January. Just to, I think he'll try and sweeten it up, you know, because I think it's uh, it's it's early days, but it'll get there. I'm, I'm, I think we're going to be very impressed with him as a manager. I think it's uh, it's all auguring well. I I said it earlier. I, I you know for 20 minutes, 25 minutes yesterday, I thought we looked fantastic. I think there's a lot of doom and gloom because we didn't win yesterday. But the bottom line is you can't win every game, and there is always an opposition on the pitch, as you alluded to at your uh, you know your Jean-Paul Sartre moment. Um, 
I think, you know, we are going to get better. And I think what's basically going to happen is that he is going to um, suss out all the all the different positions uh, and people that aren't good enough will go by the wayside. And I think we will do very well. I don't think we're going to win it, but I think we'll come in the top four. I think we will give a lot of sides a very, very good game. Um so I, I, I think this season's going to be great. I, you know, it's just it's just watching us. And I think that the point you made below, we've had Mourinho, we've had Conte, and we've been very, very successful. But we've been successful in a way which is always concentrating on the opposition rather than on ourselves. And I think, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see a new way of playing because we're basically now going to be a team that's going to attack rather than sit back because that's the way that we play. We play with the ball rather than without it. And it, it's it's a huge sea change because um, it's the first time in a long time that we've done that. I think it's fascinating, Clayton, and, and I'm kind of addressing this to Liam as well, really, because, you know, at the moment, OK, we're only six games in, so it's it, we've hardly started the season yet, really. But at the moment, the best three teams in the league are Liverpool, us and Man City, all of whom uh, have adopted this, you know, attacking style of football. And as Clayton says, it's a bit of a sea change for us. But I think it's it's symptomatic of the way that football's going, isn't it? I mean, Spurs have, have, have tried that and I think perhaps it'll go backwards because they haven't strengthened. But essentially, you are seeing this, aren't you? You're seeing teams, you know, now wanting to play attacking football and maybe it's our time. And hey, it could be an interesting ride. I'm up for it. I mean, Liam, do, would you agree with what um, Jonathan... All Saka said in his, his, his optimistic outlook for Chelsea and also what I was saying about what a lot of the pundits were saying about the fact that, you know, that we're, that, that we're not bad at all, really. No, I don't, I don't think they are a bad team. I think they'll win a lot more games than they lose. Um, I predicted that, that Chelsea would finish third when we had to do our ESPN predictions before the season. And I was slightly having second thoughts about that before they'd kicked the ball, as you often do with predictions. But I'm more sure now than I was uh, I still don't think they're in the class of Liverpool or Manchester City. I still think City, all things being equal, will win the league because they've got the biggest margin of error. I think Liverpool still need everything to break right for them. But Chelsea, there's no reason why they can't be the best of the of the next bracket. And uh, and you know when Sarri says, as he said numerous times in the last few weeks, that he he thinks in a year's time they may be on the level of City and Liverpool. I think that there's no reason to, to think that that is a, an idle an idle threat. I think he feels like he's building something with Chelsea. Um, he's got a very particular style, and given that he had almost no time to work with these players in the summer, I think look at it, and, and they're ahead of schedule, both in terms of points and the way they're performing on the pitch. So... It, it shouldn't take too long. There will be a ceiling on how good they can be uh, because of the personnel that he currently has. And um, I'm not sure how, how much you can address those flaws in January. So I, I do lean towards next summer as being the crucial one for Chelsea to to really give Sarri the team that, that he needs to, to challenge City and, and now Liverpool, who look to have ascended to that level. Mm. Excellent stuff, Liam, and also excellent stuff uh, from uh, Benjamin, Ashley and Jonathan for their emails. I have an apology to make to uh, Benjamin for my appalling lack of geographical knowledge. 
Uh, thankfully, the good people in Mixler have rescued me and told me that Bhutan uh, lies somewhere between India and China near the Himalayas. So, Benjamin, please accept my apologies for my utter and complete ignorance. Uh, Praj uh, actually redeemed redeemed me uh, by saying, or like dotard, Trump calls it button, which is uh, funny. Now, thank you uh, for all of your emails this season. As you know, uh, we always try and read them out on the show. So send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com before Monday next season. But of course, I really need to change the bloody script for this, don't I? Before next Monday. So basically on a Sunday, that would be nice. And then they'll uh, then they'll get in for the show on the Monday. Now, part four, uh, quick roundup of the Chelsea supporters news. And then it'll be time to say goodbye. We'll see you in a sec. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back, it's the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stafford Chidge, and uh, you've been listening tonight to start, uh, for me, obviously, uh, Jonathan Kidd, Clayton Beerman, and the wonderful Liam Toomey Ooh. from ESPN. Uh, time as always for a bit of a roundup of stuff. Uh, obviously, uh, we've got the uh, love. I, I, by the way, apologies because I was coming back from holiday this weekend and I've been kind of still have my holiday head on. I've yet to upload last Friday's Love Sport uh, radio show, which had Clayton and Jonathan and Marco on, and was no doubt much better for that uh, for not having me on. Uh, as you know, it's on a Friday between seven o'clock and nine p.m. And uh, this Friday, we've got Jonathan, definitely. Dan Silver, definitely. Aaron Paul, definitely. Possibly me. I might try and bunk out if I can get away with it, although they might not be very happy with me doing it two weeks in a row. But I might be going to a gig on Friday, but we'll see. Uh, that aside, uh, you know, we'll be on, obviously, talking about the uh, Caribou Cup match and, of course, looking forward to the uh, the rematch on uh, on Saturday. Saturday Live. Uh, hopefully the one that will be important and will win. Anyway, the most important thing about the Love Sports Show, as you all know by now, is that you can phone us up. Phone in and join in the show and debate with us live. Wow, it's so much fun. And there are people in here tonight, John Chips Chiverton and Paul Crowder, who have done that very thing. So the more the more of you, the merrier. We love hearing from you. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558. And if you want to listen to the show live, then it's broadcast on 558 AM and also on your digital audio channels, DAB. Uh, you can also listen to it on lovesport.com. Well, I think it's lovesportradio.com uh, or through the radio player and the tune-in. So do that. Uh, before that, this Thursday, me and Kerry will be back if I can track the great man down. And uh, we'll be having our usual kind of weekly half an hour roundup of everything that's going on with Chelsea. It'd be very interesting to hear what... Kerry thinks about my theory about old school strikers and their dearth. Uh, if anybody will have an answer to that, he will. So, yeah, Kerry Dixon show, that'll be up uh, sometime on Thursday. Uh, the Love Sport radio show podcast from last Friday will be up sometime, hopefully, before that. And, of course, we uh, we also upload that as a podcast of the Friday show, and this one will be up later. Anyway, enough of all of that. Uh, just a quick shout-out to all those lovely people who have uh, decided to uh, help uh, subsidize this show by joining patreon.com 
it's uh, it's a lovely little thing. There's no pressure at all. I mean, my theory is it's a bit like the fanzine. You pay a pound for the fanzine, pay a dollar a, a show for this. It's about five dollars a month, but as you know, you can pay as little or as much as you want. Uh, it just all helps to add to things. I mean, for example, we've got a, a great plan, which I shall, I, I shall be revealing soon about how your money is spent. Although at the moment, I'm thinking I might buy a new bloody computer because this one's so shit. But anyway, whatever. Uh, they're very gratefully received. Um, you can contact me easily on there. I've now got a Patreon app on my phone. So it's a good way to get quick access to us. Also, come up with any ideas you want for content, what you like on the show, anything really. Just get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com hi, uh, forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So there you go. Uh, right, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Quick shout out for them as always. Uh, join the Trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join up as a member. But if you want a badge, and they're very nice badges, and if you want to be able to vote in the elections and things and attend the meetings, then it's a fiver a year. And all you have to do is sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. Uh, and of course, you can follow them at Chelsea S Trust on Twitter. Uh, I believe I'm not sure actually. It should be out actually. The new CFC UK. I seem to remember writing an article for it recently before I buggered off on holiday. Um, and if you want to get CFC UK, which is the best and the only, in my opinion, fanzine that relates to Chelsea, you can get it on match day from any of the sellers around Fulham Road, or you can get it from the CFC UK store where you'll meet Marco and DJ and a whole load of usual suspects like myself. Uh, if you're not in the in the country, then you can always subscribe online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, follow at cfcukusa or get in touch with Dan Lundberg on Twitter at dlundberg underscore. And then you can get either a, a digital copy or a hard copy, uh, depending on what you want. Uh, and finally, uh, good old CPO, the Chelsea pitch owners. If you want to protect the future of the club and uh, Chelsea playing football at Stamford Bridge, all you have to do is buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners, who, of course, own the freehold of the uh, of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to keep Chelsea playing there forever. Uh, they're a lot cheaper than they used to be. They used to be about 100 quid a pop. They're now about 25 quid. And uh, you can find out how to get one by emailing info at chelseapitchowners.com. Or check out, it's on the website, the Chelsea official website. So just search for Pitch Owners and it'll fi- and you'll find it there. And they're on Twitter, at Pitch Owners 2. Now, because we've waffled on for an inordinate length of time, uh, there's not enough uh, time really for any questions. I'll try and, I'll try and, uh, try and get a few in next week, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, so it's time really to say goodnight. Um, we will be back next Monday, of course. I have no idea who's going to be on other than me and Jonathan. Because, as you've probably noticed, people like Liam and Clayton, I've yet to do a schedule. I've been very lazy the last few weeks. These holidays are a bad idea. It gets in the way of doing the bloody podcast and stuff, but there you go. Um, As I said, don't forget to tune in uh, to Love Sport uh, Radio on uh, Friday at 7 o'clock and uh, look out for the Kerry Dixon Show. Uh, Quick Twitter shout-out for all the lovely people here. Obviously, follow us at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stamford Chidge. Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Clayton at Goalie59, Liam at Liam underscore Toomey, and of course check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com. Huge thanks to Hion, as always, and all the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for uh, their wonderful and regular content going up during the week. So there you go. Um, everything we write gets posted on Twitter, so just check it all out. Now, um, as I said, time to go, but it's very nice to be able to be back doing the podcast uh liam always an absolute pleasure mate having you on the show and i look forward to jonathan inviting me for a posh ticket with him so i can wave at you and annoy you and irritate you again
(laughs) (laughs) Always a pleasure to be on, Chidge. But great to have you on the show. Thanks, as always. Uh, Clayton, um, an absolute delight, as always, to have you on the show. Uh, Well done for last Friday as well. You've definitely manned up this week, unlike me buggering off on holiday. Uh, No, absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Good stuff. And uh, last but by no means least, uh, my right-hand man, uh, the man who uh, has to go for a wee at half-time, but we don't hold that against him. It's the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Thanks, mate, as always. (laughs) Thank you, Chidge. Lovely to be on the show with such excellent guests, as always. And um, um, I'm, like you, equally ashamed I didn't uh, do my research on Bhutan. And uh, I'd like to apologise to Benjamin, who is clearly quite a, a, a class act with his dad being uh, the, the chief coach of Bhutan. Yeah. Blimey, blimey. Is it, I don't even know, is it Bhutan, Bhutan? I'm so ignorant. God, that was so appalling. But, uh, but well done, mate. And fan- fantastic, fantastic to get uh, um, an email from him. Wow, brilliant. Superb. Even in, even in, in Asian countries, near the Himalayas, we're, we're heard. God, chidge, wow. Brilliant. Completely fantastic. Well done, everybody. Thank you. Great. And thanks for the apology. Yep. It um, never, not you, it but, never... Um, what was his name? Jonathan. <laughs> it never, ever ceases to amaze me where, where we get emails from and where people listen from. And uh, we, we hum- we're very humbled by it, and we really... Do appreciate everybody who listens to the show. You are wonderful people. Now, uh, we got to go. We'll be back in all the times I've just been. So I'm not going to say it again because you'll be bored of me saying it. Uh, last but my no means least, of course, thanks to all the wonderful people who've been listening live in Mixler and contributing the very, very insightful stuff and quite witty comments as well. Great to have you in there, as always. Right, thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Up the chill! Up the chill! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.